there, and welcome to Verbal Voices. I'm your host, Paul Lemley, the head of partnerships at Verbal. On this episode, we're bringing you the news, but not just any news, kid news. Joining me is Stephanie Kelmar and Roe Schwarz, two of the founders of Kid News, a five-minute daily news briefing that sparks curiosity and gets kids talking about critical issues. Their short yet engaging episodes are listened to in cars, kitchens, and classrooms across the U.S. as well as 181 other countries. Their audio format offers parents and teachers an easy way to integrate wide-ranging topics into their students' routine. We talk about the challenges of the news format, storytelling, distributing to classrooms, opportunities in kid and family-friendly audio, and of course, we get to know Stephanie and Roe on a deeper level with a round of rapid-fire questions. So are you ready to learn more? Let's jump right in. Stephanie and Roe, welcome to the show. I really want to thank you for joining me today. And I'm really excited to introduce you both to the Verbal Voices audience as well as Kid News to the Verbal Voices audience. It's a it's a category, or at least the, the, the genre is something that we're very interested in for our product and platform. And we're really excited to get your take on the audio industry as well as the child-focused industry uh, for audio. So thank you for joining. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Excellent. So uh, before we get into both of your backgrounds, I want to ask both of you a pointed question because it's fascinating to me. Both of you started at a TV station or at least, uh, excuse me, not started, but met at a TV station for a morning show. The pointed question I have for you both is how does a TV show translate to podcasting in general? Uh, What's maybe specifically that our audience can take away in your experience on the morning show that helped build kid news as we see it today or hear it today I should say well I would say that it's really all about storytelling both are about storytelling one obviously has pictures to help tell the story but when you're just using audio I think it's more important to be descriptive and to tell the whole story just with words and it allows people to use their imagination but when both cases we've been we're telling we're talking about news so we're informing through storytelling You know, the production of the audio for me is not that much different as to how I approach it. Because the most important thing when I was in television was still the story selection and the part of the story that would resonate most with the audience. So whether I was talking to adults or now talking to kids, you still need to find the angle that resonates. So... We did it once with an older demographic. Now we're doing it with a younger one. And the difference is, you know, before we kind of had the weight of the world on our shoulders, the show had to succeed because we had a whole staff and it was, you know, a very profitable organization. And we had to be really good at what we did and get great ratings. And we did both. Now the weight is different in that it's, parents and teachers that are counting on us to make sure the content's appropriate and that we're not going to scare anybody or indoctrinate them. You know, we have to go straight down the middle and we were straight down the middle on TV news too, but the weight of what we're doing is different. But then it was, it was ratings and profit. And now it's people are putting their trust in us to talk to their kids. So that's, that's the one difference I do see. 
that sounds less stressful, but maybe not. The last time Stephanie and I uh, talked, uh, it sounds like you're very close to your audience. And that balancing act is something to really focus on and, and uh, maybe a struggle with. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit later on. But I want the audience to get to know you both. Ro, what, could you give us a brief background of your experience in television and radio and audio in general? Sure. I started at 30 Rock in New York City at NBC, moved out to San Francisco for a job at an NBC affiliate at the time, KRON TV, and worked my way up the ladder and landed at KTVU and stayed there for a long time, ended up being the executive producer and responsible for four and a half hours of live television every day. Wow. And Stephanie, what's your background? So I actually started in radio, which was always my first love. I worked at, a, when I was still in co- going to UC Berkeley, I worked producing a radio talk show in San Francisco and just booking guests. And then I moved on to work at a couple of the news stations in San Francisco, working with call-in shows. And then I went on to produce a morning show, popular morning show that's similar to the Howard Stern show, but it was local to San Francisco. So that was pretty crazy, but it was definitely um, a fun experience. And then I moved over to KTVU in in Oakland where I met Rosemary and worked with her producing the segments on Mornings on 2, basically booking three guests a day, five days a week, either on location or in the studio. And they had to be newsworthy and entertaining and making uh, live television for about 15 years sounds like spinning lots of plates on both ears uh, both your sides to you know manage all of that produce all of that that sounds really stressful <laughs> now it's on one foot yes <laughs> wait say that again what's the metaphor you use Spinning plates on one foot. Uh, yeah, spinning multiple plates on one foot. Yeah. Now, tell the audience here, how would you pitch Kid News? I mean, I view it as a very short form morning newscast for, I guess, the demographic I think would be, you know, from maybe six to 18 even. It's, uh, I, I always talk about it as a, day, as a daily news podcast for kids. And But you're right when you say six to 18 and frankly, even older, because I know some people adults these days who really don't like watching the news that is uh, has all the adult news in it. And they love kid news because they get the main stories and current events mostly. And they get a lot of very interesting and uplifting stories as well. Well, how much of your audience is actually the parents of these children that are listeners? I know I, if I were a parent, I'd, I'd be just as uh, thrilled to listen to that uh, your news segments rather than you know the normal network news every morning with my kids and having a conversation with my kids about it. So you know, it sounds like you have two sets uh, sets of audiences here. We actually have three. We've got the kids, we've got the parents, and a lot of parents, I'd say most parents listen with their kids. And then we've got the teachers playing. Yeah. And you know, we have to appeal to the parents because as any parent knows, if the parent doesn't like it, the parent's not going to play it. Exactly. So just like Stephanie gets the feedback, I get the feedback that parents are listening, even if their kids aren't in the car. And I think it's a respite from the highly partisan charged newscasts that are out there, no matter what end of the spectrum you're on, it's kind of refreshing to have something that is just telling you what's going on without telling you how to think about it. Right. So 
I do think that in addition to the current events, it's just kind of of a refreshing take. Now, you know, our, our primary target is kids, but it's super nice. And actually, we need it. We need the kids and the parents to like it as well because they're the gatekeepers. Absolutely. And so and you've been doing this how long? We launched it just uh, just two years ago this month. Well, congrats. Happy anniversary. Let's go back to the, the first conversations you, you, you've had with you had two other co-founders, right? Or one other co-founder and then another producer slash voice actor, correct? Two other co-founders. Yeah. Two other, so four total. What were the conversations like early on when you're talking about this format and, and this type of audience? Uh, I think early on, I was uh, the conversations were there was nothing out there for kids like this. There was there's nothing, there's nothing I found that daily spoke to kids about current events in a way that it was de- designed for them. And uh, then when we started looking into the best format to deliver the news, and obviously podcasting, and it's bigger now than it was then, but it was still pretty getting going then, pretty big. And so we thought about doing a five-minute podcast. We thought that would be a perfect amount of time for a ride to school or kids eating breakfast in the morning, and they can digest it with their parents and have conversations and kickstart interesting discussions about uh, the world. And so how has the format changed since day one or episode one for the listeners? I I believe the format is a a bit of a teaser, maybe three or four stories, and then you actually do a quiz at the end, which is really cool. I hope you can talk a little bit more about implementing the quiz too. But how how has the format changed over time here? Why change perfection, right, Ralph? (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's just gotten better and better. But for the most part, there's only been some minor changes because we kind of nailed it from the get go with the number of stories we're doing. And Stephanie, correct me, we added the quiz after we started, right? We were on for a little bit, and then we added the quiz. Um, I'm not sure about that. I feel like it's all been there from the very start, but it's, I mean, it's possible. I mean, we, 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 we talked basically, Paul, we spoke about this for so long and we did, we took so much time in designing it and coming up with all of these aspects that it's hard to know if we thought about it after the fact or we implemented it after the fact. I'm not sure. And, and it could be that it was in beta that we added the quiz because we, we practiced for a long time before we actually launched. But I have to say, there's nothing that we did with the quiz that we said, oh, we shouldn't do that anymore. It's just we've built on it little by little, and but the, the bones of it are the same as when we started, and, and that's a testament to uh, the strength of the product. Gotcha. And you, you mentioned you practiced for a long time before you released your first episode. What were the practices like? What, what were you trying to nail down and, and hone in? Obviously, the, the stories you wanted to tell and, and the format, but were there specific things that uh, you were looking for that you would nail uh, absolutely, you know, maybe two or three consecutive times before you decided to publish episode one? Oh, it was more than two or three times. I think I want to say we probably practiced daily for a good month as if we were going live. It was basically a dress rehearsal and it was to make sure that the writing was the way we wanted the writing to be and also the the voice because one of our big MOs is to talk to kids and I mean talk to them, not talk down to them. 
And when you're directing content towards kids, it's very easy to slip into a talking down to them or be getting a sing-songy voice or being the kindergarten teacher. And so we had to really find that, that middle-of-the-road voice that was a calming voice, but a current news voice, and that you would talk to the child and not not down to them. So that took that took some effort to to find that voice. That's fascinating. We also, I was gonna say, ahead, we also took some time to work on the sound effects, <laughs> and because <laughs> that was not something that we had a lot of experience in 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 researching. So we took a lot of time to find something that we thought wasn't annoying, but it was just. Uh, engaging and um, entertaining and remind me the the sound effects are your intros and and transitions or what were you looking for for the sound effects specifically the intros and transitions and with the quiz and figuring out the timing of the quiz about how long you give the kids to you know come up with and shout out the answer in the back seat of the car before you talk <laughs> over them as they're talking and you know those little things Gotcha. Gotcha. I want to talk about the audience as you've grown. What's the type of feedback you've you've received from parents and educators? I know that you, you talk with a lot of teachers in the classroom. What are they looking for in sort of the edutainment? I, I, I can't we can't classify kid news as edutainment because it's it's news. But I think it's highly engaging. And I would say it's entertaining to uh, because of the quiz element. But what are educators and, and parents looking for when it comes to kid appropriate content in the audio form? Well, I would definitely say we're it's safe to call us infotainment infotainment. Yep. Even when Stephanie and I worked on television news together. I mean, it was a serious newscast, but there's no getting around the fact that it, it has to be entertaining. No, nobody's going to watch <laughs> if it's not entertaining, right? No matter right. how informative it is. So it's important that our podcast also be informative and entertaining. So I would call it infotainment. And I would say that the best feedback we're getting is the importance of the audio um, as opposed to audio and video and the screen time. And, and Steph can talk more about the screen time issue, but I will just say that there's a very short distance between the ear and the brain. And when you don't have to detour to the eyes and get distracted by what the eyes are seeing, the words become much more powerful and the educators have said that even though we didn't think about it when we started this, that the listening comprehension is one of the things they like the most, that these kids really are focused on, on what they're hearing. One of Stephanie's big things when we first started talking was to, to not have screen time, you know, and, and it's right. really paid off. And that's, I guess, I've always associated uh, podcasting and, and audio as a very active medium, meaning, uh, at least personally, I can't go and run a mile and listen to a podcast and expect to comprehend even 10% of what was talked about on the podcast. And so I, I think the audio is fascinating in the educational realm because it takes people away, it takes kids away from the, you know, the device uh, needed and the focus can be on what they're listening to rather than, you know, everything else in the room and on the screen. So that's interesting to think about as, as a, as a format 
within the kid audio segment. So Stephanie, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I also would say that I think it kickstarts the kids' imagination when they're listening, you know, because they're listening, they're looking up and they're looking around. They're associating what they're hearing with images that they may already have in their mind or things that they have seen or done themselves or learned. And it just sort of, I, I think it's more personal and I think it's more intimate. And in terms of the specific feedback we've gotten from teachers, it's funny, you know, in terms of what they want, they don't, they don't really ask from us things that they're not already getting. We get a lot of, this is wonderful. My kids love this. They're addicted to it. It jumpstarts discussions. Like we can't have a car trip without it. I mean, once in a while, we will get a question from a teacher regarding something, something very specific, but they're not asking for more of this or less of this. We just really get some fantastic, very grateful feedback, which makes us feel very good. That's very cool to uh, hit your stride within a year or two, within months of picking the formats and launching. So that's very unique. And I applaud you both for, you know, getting to that so quick. That's a lot of fun. So the other thing I wanted to kind of jam on is this idea of a repetition or a habit that your format and and the, the structure of the show is every morning. How has that played a role in the growth of your podcast, of, of the audio format? You know, obviously the routine of it in the car, on the, you know, in the classroom or in the kitchen is is very important. And uh, but but how have you mo- measured how that has affected growth or audience engagement? Well, you know, th- we've never not had a routine or a consistency. And going back to my television days, And my old boss just hammering it in my head that, you know, traffic had to be on the eights or whatever it was. I mean, you you just have to hit it. And as I've told all my friends, you know, who aren't in the television business, the show when the show goes live at 658, 38 in the morning, you better be there for it. (laughs) You know, there's no there's no choice. And when you get used to that, that's a mentality you're on the air at a certain time, you're off the air at a certain time. There's no gray, there's no pulling up late when you're doing when you're doing a live broadcast. So we just brought that same mentality to even though this is recorded, it is hitting at a certain time every day. The emails, everything, there's a consistency to it because it it breeds an expectation amongst the audience that they are going to get it at a certain time, they can find it at a certain time. And I think particularly in the era of COVID, when all of a sudden people's schedules were thrown upside down and inside out, that we were still something that they could rely on every day at a certain time, this was going to be there. And it helped parents plan a day that suddenly had no beginning, middle or end. It helped teachers with their lesson plans. So It wasn't necessarily intentional, but I think it's part of what Stephanie and I brought the mentality from television, brought it to what we're doing now. Um, It also helps me to to plan my day. So, yeah. (laughs) It has its benefits, uh, but I think all of the benefits of that routine and and habit, uh, the habitual nature of the of releasing is helpful for podcasters and audio creators of all stripes. So you mentioned COVID-19. Has there been any big effects around listenership for during COVID? Because all the students are at home. Parents are looking for new ways to engage their children with more educational content. Have you seen an uptick in listenership? 
I think what, what we lost with the teachers, at first during the distance learning back in the spring, teachers were telling us that they were assigning listening to Kid News to their classrooms. And a lot of teachers put it on their Google Classrooms, which is great. So we didn't see any real change there. And coming into the summer, I think that maybe what we've lost out of teachers, we've gained from parents who through their kids or through listening to it with, with their kids, they've uh, all, they picked it up and just picked right up where any kids who had gotten it in the classrooms had left off. So no, we haven't really seen a drop off. Great. You mentioned Google Classroom. I'm, I'm interested in, I guess, framing this question around the niche platforms that a an audio creator or podcast can uncover for distribution. What is Google Classroom for our audience and, and how did you uh, help educators deliver Kid News to that platform? Well, what I would say is I think that teachers educated us about the uh, <laughs> existence of Google Classroom and they and they alone have incorporated Kid News into their daily assignments to their children. Well, that's I mean, that's fascinating that, that I mean, they brought it to you, but it's a natural distribution platform for uh, for your show. I wish there were other little niche products and niche platforms that that audio creators could uh, you know sort of attach to but i love the idea of like if you're producing you know other educational content with for kids that google classrooms like that one that one get if you will for a for a distribution platform really cool so you mentioned storytelling very early on and i, I and i want to hammer this kind of point home and see if we can get some some more value and or even stories that you both can tell about crafting the story each day what is your process of editorializing the news and finding that hook for each story within each segment? Well, I wish I could say that there was there was a method to the madness, and I suppose there is, but I would say 99% of it's intuitive from being in the news business so long. I mean, I, you had to do it um, to sink or swim. And now, you know, we go through scores of stories, sometimes hundreds of score, uh, stories a day to find the six or seven we're going to use. And timeliness is right up there because there are plenty of kids podcasts that call themselves news or current events that are nothing more than evergreens packaged months ago and slapped up. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not, it's not news. So make the cut on kid news. It actually has to have a news element, but it can't have a lot of the things that go with news element, which are the things that parents wouldn't want kids hearing about. So we strip away a bunch of the inappropriate stories. And then there are stories that are, you know, super interesting to a kid, like a story about Fortnite or baseball, when the baseball season's coming back, things like that. Um, but then there are also stories about politics that aren't as clear cut. And you really, we are nonpartisan, but we still cover politics. And we think it's important to tell kids what's going on in the nation's capital. Mm -hmm. And we cover both sides of the story. And there you, you have to do a much deeper dive and, and figure out what in here aside from a kid should be interested in it, doesn't mean they're going to be. So a lot of what we do on those stories, if there isn't a natural kid-friendly hook, it's in the formatting of the podcast itself. Whereas we will slip that between two other stories that okay. might have a more obvious tie-in. 
mm-hmm. and they get their vegetables with their fruit, <laughs> you know, and they don't even know it, but they have now learned what's going on in Washington, D.C., right? Gotcha. Even though, even though if that might have been the first story, they wouldn't, they would have tuned it out. But now they're already engaged. So, right, right. If we can't find the obvious one, but we think it's important enough for them to hear, that's kind of what we do with it. And so the process then is, are you editorializing or choosing the stories and writing 24 hours in advance, or are you writing right up to recording? Uh, most well, times we're <laughs> writing right up until we record, and sometimes after we record, because sure. if something changes, then we've got the uh, a beautiful benefit in Tori, who is one of the hosts of the show, is in Singapore and is 12 hours ahead. That's right. I was going to ask about the time difference benefit. <laughs> so if we're asleep and the story changes, she just re-records it with Very the cool. updated information. So that's hugely helpful. Sure. Um, it doesn't happen often, but when it happens, we're super grateful that we have that option. Very cool. I guess the the last few uh, questions about around kid news is is the industry uh, of child focused content. What are some opportunities you feel uh, that are untapped in, within this category or within the genre that you feel maybe kid news could uh, move on, or maybe other audio creators could move on? I love talking about opportunities. Well, it's interesting because I feel like looking at the industry, there I see a lot more deals being made with kids podcasts that are fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's you know, getting uh, deals in Hollywood and turning them into shows and and uh, turning them into series like that. I see a lot of that going on. But there's also opportunities for nonfiction and news. You know, basically, there's different distributors around the country and around the world who have products that might want to integrate, like a newscast for kids. And there's also, if you notice that John Krasinski came up with this Some Good News show that just took off like a rocket. I mean, granted, it was a video. But that just shows that there is real interest in kid-focused content, especially things that are current and newsworthy. So that Mm -hmm. was very interesting. I mean, obviously, he's charming and and well-connected. But the (laughs) the interest is definitely there. um, And podcasts are just, you know, growing by leaps and bounds still every day. And do you see a lot of parents in uh, obviously podcasts and, and audio for for commutes and, and drives, you know, long drives on the in the car? Obviously, you know, people are going to be driving more often than flying uh, for vacations and and weekends and stuff. Do you, obviously, there's a big high demand for new audio, but the discoveries of uh, the problem with discovery is something that we're trying to solve uh, with at Verbal. Maybe what are some opportunities for discovery for kids specific content or family? specific content i guess we could fit that we could all lump it together in the family specific content listening together when i think about discovery for kids i often think about the youtube proposition where they'll be watching one thing and then then the next thing is suggested to them and then they go to the next one and the next one so i guess my answer would be networks more kid focused networks or more audio networks where you tie together programming that's similar, have a similar audience and sort of band together to, um, even on Netflix, you know, band together to introduce people to content that they may not know exists out there. Has Kid News ever done a a collaboration with another similar podcast or or, uh, show? You know, there isn't anything exactly similar to us, but we have, we were approached by a pretty popular network of kids programming and 
early on and it just the deal wasn't quite right for us at the time but it was nice to be approached and we're definitely talking to people all the time who want to incorporate our content and different products and opportunities very cool and i would think teachers and parents are super interested in in quality and quantity right now given that there are so many suddenly so many hours in the day to fill so I think that anybody's got who has a good idea for kids, it's an awesome time to to make that idea to make it happen. Because I think, as Stephanie said, it would be better if there were networks that were just showcasing kids content and some are, but there's just so many parents and so many teachers and so many hours to fill. I, I think it's a great, I think it's a great time to be kid news. I think it's a great time for us, but I think it's a great time for any kid centric podcast right now. Someone's got to build the Nickelodeon of audio so, at some point. So I thought that was you. <laughs> well, uh, hey, jury's still out, but and we we really want we're going to be launching soon, and and uh, and we'll make it happen. And if we can foster, help foster the growth of of great uh, great creators like Kid News and and others, uh, maybe that's something we'll look into. So. Uh, the last question I have before we move to the rapid fire round of questions is what's what's next for Kid News? What can we look forward to? Are you looking to just plug away and, and keep growing audience or, or are there things coming down the pipe that we can look forward to? We get many requests for Kid News in other languages, which is something that we have seriously thought about doing from the beginning. It's just a matter of having the, uh, the time, the resources and getting it done we're we've actually been downloaded in 181 different countries wow. which is something that was just amazing to see and for me i always think about you know if kids are you know we do five or six seven stories a day you know we try to make like a newspaper one might be on sports one maybe entertainment one might be politics the environment science but for kids who are interested in those topics alone i always think about how great would it be to have a a kid news uh, podcast every morning just on sports or a kid news entertainment, kid news news. Mm-hmm. And then those kids who want more can go from one podcast to the next to the next or even specials on like an election, what's going on in the election. I have like a 30 minute special or that kind of a thing. So we, we bandy those about. That would be a lot of fun. Ro, anything that, uh, that, that you want to add to what's coming down the pipe? No, I'm on board with Stephanie. I'd love to see it in more languages. And, you know, we're, we're a, are a small but mighty team. And um, we just need to be uh, slightly bigger to do all the things. We've got so many ideas. Um, we just need to grow a little bit bigger to get those ideas done. But well, I, you know, I'm with Stephanie. I think longer formats on certain subjects is, is a great idea. Well, I'm looking forward to finding ways to make that happen. So before I, I open the mic up to both of you, let's let's run through some of these rapid fire questions and get to know you both on a little deeper level, if that's cool. Sure. All right, Stephanie, let's start with you. What are your favorite types of audio? Listening to audiobooks in the car with my kids, listening to NPR when, and other news stations when I drive so my kids don't have to hear that at home. And listening to music that I loved in my 20s. And I am a secret but dedicated fan of Howard Stern. <laughs> what, what did you listen to in your 20s, if you don't mind um, me asking? Liz, Liz Fair and uh, Delamitri, The Smiths. And... Very cool. 
Ro, same same question for you. What are your favorite types of audio? Well, far and away, my favorite thing to listen to, and this is just going to sound so boring, but I'm just a radio news junkie. Okay. And, um, I have it on all the time. I actually sometimes sleep with it on. Over 50 years seeking a solution to a six-day war. Greg Myrie, NPR News. And um, then, oh, and music, of course, if I'm working out, but I'm more of a classic rock person, The Who and Springsteen and Billy Joel and those kinds of things. So, cool. Yeah. Ro, what's your favorite audio clip of all time? Well, can I give you a couple? Yeah, go for it. War of the Worlds, The Invasion. Get out of there! Let's give it your hands! Get out of here! Orson Welles, um, just because of the societal impact or the, the discussion about the societal impact it had, but it was the first real testament to the power of radio. Um, this is not a good one, but it, the Hindenburg and listening to the radio broadcast of the humanity. And less a clip, but and more, more of a movie soundbite is um, you're going to need a bigger boat. You're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> okay. That's a good one. All right, Stephanie, same question. What is your favorite audio clip or clips of all time? I love that bigger boat one. Um, mine would be listening to the, the opening credits of the E.G. Marshall's Mystery Hour back a long time ago in the dark in the car coming home from a drive with my parents and getting scared to death when that song, when that, those credits came on. I also like the opening sounds of Car Talk, which is no longer on, but it always just, I felt like I was in for an hour of just easy, lighthearted, innocent fun, and I didn't take anything so seriously after that. Hello and welcome to Car Talk from National Public Radio with us, Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers, and we're broadcasting and this from the opposite no, track. That would be it, really, for me. I really miss Car Talk, though. That's a great one. All right, Stephanie, what's your favorite sound? <laughs> mm, favorite sound is champagne cork. <laughs> That's a good one. No, I haven't had that one yet, so that's perfect. Ro, what's yours? Oh, mine pales in comparison. I didn't think about that. I would have gone with the champagne cork, but um, the breaking news stinger on any given station at any given time. Something's happened that I don't know about yet, and I'm Pavlovian when I hear it. All right, uh, Ro, what's your least favorite sound? Uh, the Cars for Kids jingle. <laughs> Stephanie, what's your least favorite sound? Mama. 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 All right. All right. Mama. That's good. I think, Stephanie, you already mentioned this, but what do you listen to in the car? I believe Howard, Howard Stern and audiobooks, right? When I'm with my kids, I listen to audiobooks. When I'm alone, I listen to Howard Stern, NPR, and cable news on the radio. If there's a go-to, though, you automatically go to it. Which one is it? It depends on what's on NPR at the time. If there's PBS NewsHour, I go to that. Tonight's PBS NewsHour. Weekend All Things Considered with Scott Simon on Saturday morning, I'd go to that. If it's between the top of the hour and 15 after, I will go to the cable news. Cool. And, Ro, what do you listen to in the car? News. CBS. <laughs> Easy. All right, Ro, if you could secretly record anything, what would it be? 
Well, I'm no voyeur, but I would like to be in a planning meeting between Peter Jennings, Tom Brokaw, Walter Cronkite, Linda Ellerby, and Jane Pauley. Stephanie, if you could secretly record anything, what would it be? I would record President Obama speaking with Michelle Obama on their walk out of the White House. All right, Stephanie, the last one for both of you. What would be your walk-up song? Don't Stop Believing. Don't Stop Believing. Hold on to Meredith Brooks has a song out. It's, it's, the name of the song is Bitch. Well, uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate both of your times. I, I want to open up the mic to both of you. What, how can we find Kid News? What are you looking for right now? Are, is it advertisers? Is it listeners? Uh, and what can you promote for us? Well, you can find it on all of the regular platforms, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Pandora. And you can find it on our website every day, fresh. We can even email it to you in the morning if you sign up. And then what we're looking for, I mean, we definitely are looking for, we, we, we are a nonprofit. We're in the process of becoming a nonprofit, but that doesn't mean we are still not looking for sponsors. We're looking for distribution. We're looking for advertising. We are looking for teachers. You know, we would love to reach as many teachers as possible because of the feedback that we get from them, talking about how impactful the podcast has been for their kids in the classroom. We're just really trying to reach educators and teachers, number one. How about you, Ro? I think, you know, my number one would be a, a big company who believes in our mission of informing kids in a nonpartisan, entertaining way with current events. Um, that a big company that believes in our mission that wants to underwrite us so that we can go on and to do all the things we've talked about, put it in different languages, do longer format on certain subjects. We just want to be the CNN for kids, at least on the audio side and um, the right company could make the difference. Well, very cool. We'll broadcast this as widely as possible and and we, we can't wait to get Kid News on verbal and show you what we've been building. I know I've been teasing you for a couple months now and we're soon to launch, but uh, but we can't wait to, to help grow Kid News because it's a fascinating format and the genre is, is fantastic. And uh, we, uh, like I said, I, I appreciate both of your time for joining us on the podcast today and we'll have you both on uh, at a later date for, for sure. So... Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you both. Hey, I want to thank you so much for listening to Verbal Voices. If you're struggling to discover new audio content, go to our website, verbal.com. That's V-U-R-B-L.com to read hundreds of podcast reviews. If you're an audio creator with stories to tell or advice to give, reach out to me directly at paul at verbal.com or tweet at us at getverbal. Until next time.